have a question for you. What do you think makes some teams or some firms more successful than others? What factors differentiate high-performing teams and organizations from those that are less successful? Any idea? Is it when the leader clearly communicates the team's goals and objectives? Is it creating opportunities for positive work relationships, you know, like hosting cool offsites or creating an awesome atmosphere in the lobby where people chit-chat with beanbag chairs, pinball machines, and an open bar? Or maybe it's paying people more. Or perhaps the secret to a high-performing team is as simple as hiring the top talent in the first place. Again, if you had to choose, what's the single most important factor that contributes to team performance? The answer is in the title for this episode. The factor that research shows contributes most to team performance is a culture of psychological safety. Recently, as I've been working with a few different firms to coach their people on improving their communication skills, we've evolved from tactics to general mindsets and then to organizational culture. And the topic of psychological safety has come up more than a few times. So the question is, how can we communicate psychological safety? Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Greetings and welcome to Talk About Talk, episode number 104, focusing on communicating psychological safety. I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. I'm so delighted that you're here. Whether you're an ambitious executive or perhaps you have a growth mindset, or maybe both. If this sounds like you, then you are in the right place. If you go to the talkabouttalk.com website, you'll find more online resources, including tip sheets, corporate workshops, one-on-one coaching, the archive of this bi-weekly podcast, and I really hope you'll sign up for the free weekly communication skills training newsletter. Okay, psychological safety. You may have heard and read about this phenomenon before, and even if you haven't, you can probably guess to some extent what it is, just by the words, psychological safety. In this episode, you're going to learn a valid and practical definition of psychological safety, the definition that the researchers who study this use. You'll learn what psychological safety is and what it is not. There are some really important misconceptions or imperatives that you need to know. You're also going to learn how to create a culture of psychological safety. I've broken this down into the mindset, the actions or behaviors, and importantly, the communication or the words that will help you facilitate a psychologically safe culture for your team. I'm also going to share with you my top three recommendations that you might consider to help you pursue and accelerate the adoption of a psychologically safe culture in your organization. Okay, that is a lot to get through, isn't it? But don't worry. As always, I've got you covered. You don't need to take notes. If you check out the show notes on the talkabouttalk.com website, you'll find a succinct summary. So you can just sit back and relax. Keep doing whatever you're doing. Driving, walking, you know the drill. You listen, I take notes. Then you can access the summary in the show notes later on the talkabouttalk.com website. I told you, I got you. All right, let me start with this. Have you ever heard of Project Aristotle? If you're a leader or even an aspiring leader, 
this project is worth knowing about. 10 years ago, in 2012, Google shifted some of its focus in terms of data analytics inward. As we all know, Google has tons and tons of data. That's how they seem to know what we're searching for before we even know, and how they know what ads to put in front of us. Anyway, in the early 2000s, Google decided to leverage some of its data to understand what factors contributed to successful teams internally, inside Google. Remember the question I asked you at the beginning of this episode, what factors contribute to the success of some teams and not others? According to what I read, Google's People Operations Department looked at a whole bunch of factors that might contribute to team performance. So for example, they looked at social habits, and that makes sense. If individual team members are socializing regularly, like eating lunch together or whatever, that might contribute to team performance, right? So they looked at social habits. They also looked at the individual traits of team leaders and team members, like say, communication skills. Do individual traits or skills such as listening contribute to team performance? You betcha. So my point here is that this research was extensive. Many, many teams and many, many factors were evaluated. Long story short, the folks at Google working on Project Aristotle spent a lot of time and energy focused on identifying the factors associated with team performance. But when they finally did, you can guess which factor was at the top of the list. Psychological safety. Now, Google did not invent this term. Psychological safety has been around for decades. There's documentation of the term psychological safety being used as early as the 1960s, but Project Aristotle really put this phenomenon on the map, as they say. In the early 2000s, I had the incredible privilege of taking an organizational behavior class at Harvard Business School from Professor Amy Edmondson. Her research focused on team performance and, yes, on psychological safety. So her research looked at team performance in a variety of contexts, including healthcare, like in operating rooms, and in manufacturing, and so on. Professor Edmondson's research is highly regarded, so I like to use her definition of psychological safety. Are you ready? Psychological safety is, quote, a sense of confidence that the team will not embarrass, reject, or punish someone for speaking up. It describes a team climate characterized by interpersonal trust and mutual respect in which people are comfortable being themselves. Okay, so that's a lot of words, but I'm guessing it's probably relatively close to what you'd guess to be the definition of psychological safety. At this point, you might be asking yourself, what is the big deal here? Why is this type of culture something that I should pay attention to? Why is Andrea talking about this and why should I keep listening? Well, the research is ridiculously consistent in demonstrating that psychologically safe teams perform. Specifically, the research shows that psychologically safe teams demonstrate increased learning, creativity, productivity, satisfaction, and engagement. Whether you're a CEO or a C-suite executive leading an organization, or whether you're leading a small project team, I bet that you'd like to improve learning, creativity, productivity, satisfaction, and engagement. And that's what creating a psychologically safe culture can do. Before I go any further, I want to share what psychological safety is 
and what it is not. There are two really important things here. First, psychological safety is a culture. It's a team climate. It is ongoing. It is not an activity that you can check off of your to-do list. So don't be tempted to make psychological safety something that you can complete. It's more like a paradigm change that needs constant stoking. And secondly, psychological safety is enabled from the top down. It is not a grassroots initiative and it is not everyone's responsibility. This is really critical. Psychological safety is the responsibility of the leader. Team members will follow a leader's cues in terms of psychological safety. You cannot delegate psychological safety. Both of these things are really important. Psychological safety is not one and done, and psychological safety is not something that you can delegate. In other words, psychological safety is the responsibility of the leader, and he or she needs to encourage or enable that culture consistently over time. If you got that, then I think you're ready to learn how to create a psychologically safe culture. As an executive communication coach, what I recommend you do is address these three things to encourage psychological safety in your team. One, you need to address your own mindset. Two, your actions. And three, your words. Then you can enable your immediate direct reports to do the same and then encourage psychological safety basically to trickle down throughout the organization. So first... It's your mindset. This is really about an increased self-awareness, constantly reminding yourself to be inclusive, to encourage vulnerability, not to blame people for mistakes. Because here's the thing. In a psychologically safe culture, vulnerability is an asset. We need to celebrate the identification of issues and frame mistakes as learnings. So that's first, the mindset. Second, what actions can you take as the leader of a psychologically safe team? Well, first of all, you should do everything you can to encourage participation. Enable a variety of opportunities for making voices heard, publicly and privately, formally and informally, regularly and ad hoc. So for example, setting aside time in every meeting for raising issues and asking questions, or creating an online and or a physical suggestion box. Encourage participation. Also in terms of actions, you need to demonstrate inclusivity. Actively seek differences. Utilize the unique skills and the talents of individual team members. Assign tasks that leverage unique individual skills. Got that? So that's action. The third thing you can do is to be very precise with your words. For example, proactively seeking regular feedback. Also, sharing your mistakes. Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, talks about how her father would ask her every week, tell me about what mistakes you made, And he would actually get upset if she said she didn't make any mistakes. So we need to share our mistakes and we need to celebrate everyone's mistakes as a learning opportunity. Also in terms of words, a leader who's encouraging a psychologically safe environment will ask for help and encourage others to do the same. 
They'll also thank team members for bringing up problems. This one is really, really key. People might be shocked when you start to do this. Publicly commending those who voice their issues. When someone comes to you with a problem, with, you know, with their tail between their legs, listen, I got a problem, I'm not sure how to solve it, or I screwed up, instead of saying, how could you let this happen? Instead, you say, thank you. Tell me more. Related to that idea is acknowledging and celebrating risk takers and publicly recognizing the unique, the truly unique skills and perspectives of people on the team. And furthermore, rewarding collaboration and even calling out those who undermine these principles. Okay, so those are the three main categories of ways that you can encourage a psychologically safe environment for your team. Consider your mindset, consider your actions, and consider your words. Now, I have three recommendations for you. These are things that I feel are kind of the low-hanging fruit that can really help you get started and get some traction in encouraging and communicating a psychologically safe environment for your team. The first one is formally making improvements in psychological safety a key goal for senior leadership. This means making it part of their annual review and warning them, of course, in advance that this will be part of their annual review. You might be wondering, how exactly do we measure psychological safety? Well, guess what? There is a seven-question survey that has been validated over and over again with various teams around the world and in different environments that measures psychological safety with reliability and validity. So you can check out the show notes and I've listed the seven questions for you there. Anyway, that's my first recommendation is make an improvement in psychological safety a key goal for senior leadership. That might mean for you and maybe for your direct reports. You might create a plan with specific tactics or levers, measuring progress through the survey. Do a before and after, maybe six months apart or 12 months apart to see whether your tactics or levers are working. And then evaluate and reward your senior leaders on making it happen. That's my first recommendation. The second thing that I recommend you do will help you get leverage in encouraging participation. My recommendation is that you create a list of ways that voices are heard currently in your organization and then brainstorm on that list other ideas for ways that people can communicate. Then you can share that list with the team and ask them for more ideas and decide which ones you want to go ahead on. Remember, You want people to be participating and communicating publicly and privately, formally and informally, regularly and ad hoc. Okay, the third recommendation I have for you in your pursuit of encouraging a psychologically safe team is for you to encourage the sharing of mistakes, a regular part of status meetings, of every meeting, frankly, or even of every conversation. So, That means sharing your own mistakes openly and then encouraging others to do the same and celebrating mistakes as learning opportunities. Okay, so that's it for psychological safety. I told you that this was going to be a dense episode and I really hope you'll check out the show notes on the talkabouttalk.com website so you can read the summary there. In terms of a summary, I really hope you'll keep in mind 
two things as you proceed to communicate psychological safety. The first, as I said, is that psychological safety is a culture. It's a climate. It's ongoing, and it is not an activity that can be checked off of your to-do list. It needs constant stoking. The second thing is that psychological safety is your responsibility as a leader. It is enabled from the top down. You cannot delegate psychological safety. And as you create your plan to enable and encourage psychological safety, please consider the three ways that you can make this happen. It's through your mindset, your actions, and your words. Specifically, you might consider adopting one or more of my recommendations that I highlighted, including formally making psychological safety a key goal for senior leadership, number two, brainstorming ways to encourage people to speak up, to participate, publicly and privately, formally and informally, regularly and ad hoc. And third, encourage people to share their mistakes. Make that a part of status meetings, something that people come to expect to hear about. They will be surprised the first time this happens, but over time, they'll let their guard down and they'll realize that mistakes truly are learning opportunities. All right. I hope you're feeling super motivated to take action to create a psychologically safe culture for your team, whether it's an organization that you're leading or a small project team. As a leader of a team, no matter what the size, you have an opportunity to enable psychological safety and, as I said, according to the research, ultimately enable your team's performance. Let me know how it goes. Or if you have any questions, please email me at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. Or if you go to the talkabouttalk.com website, you can click on contact and send me a message there. While you're on the website, I really hope you'll sign up for the Talk About Talk newsletter. This is your chance to get free communication skills coaching from me every week in a simple to digest weekly email. Just go to talkabouttalk.com to sign up or email me directly and I'll add you to the list. You can email me anytime at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. Thanks for listening and talk soon.